Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, or good morning, or good afternoon, wherever you're at. I think that's going to be my new intro when I'm doing this, because I want to be inclusive to everybody. I like it. Okay, you never know where a person is in their life. Uh, So if you're having a good day, bad day, good night, bad night, we want to be here for you as Phantom Correspondents. We want to be here for you, and we want to brighten your day. And tonight we're going to do that with a special topic, a topic that is near and dear to my heart. So near and dear to my heart. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, probably one of the um, one of the most uh, influential pieces of fandom on my early life, and something that has stayed with me uh, ever since, uh, even to this day. In fact, I'm actually looking right now. I'm staring at Bebop. Uh, I've actually uh, purchased a 14 inch Bebop uh, from the 1991 series. Uh, if you're familiar with that character, uh, that's one of the Shredder henchmen came into the store that I work at. And I was like, I have to have that and uh, pay 25 bucks for it. And it's one of the best $25 I've ever spent in my life. <laughs> okay. So, anyway, but we're going to talk about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But tonight I've got with me, uh, got with me uh, two esteemed, esteemed common com- commentators. Commentarians. Okay. Is that a word? Comment- I'm, I'm going to make that word. I've got two esteemed commentarians. 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 That's not a word, but I'm going to make it a word. Two esteemed commentarians with uh, Jacob Vance McCarty Hardesty here, uh, editor-in-chief of the Phantom Correspondence. Hello. And then joining us via Skype, uh, the esteemed Al Red Lanyard. Uh, Al, how you doing tonight? I'm doing fantastic. I'm ready to talk about some some Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Well, good, good. Uh, so the gist of this was, uh, I believe, was it was it? I don't want to get the shout out correct. It's Josh Hicks, right? Who yes. wanted us to do this? Okay, yes, absolutely. So Josh Hicks, uh, one of the uh, best supporters of the fan, maybe the the only supporter of the fan, of course. Not the only, but you know, definitely, definitely you know, top top tier. Yeah, he's definitely top tier. Uh, one of the best supporters of fan, of correspondence, wanted us to do something on the Tangent Ninja Turtles, specifically the movies. Uh, now, I'm going to talk a little bit more tonight, since we're just doing the first movie. We'll talk a little bit more about the other stuff as well, just to get us uh, into the movie. Because the reason the movie happened is actually really interesting. The reason any any time there's a fandom movie. Uh, the reason that that movie happens, in my opinion, is interesting, particularly before uh, the you know the Marvel Cinematic Universe took off like it did. Uh, these movies used to be really, really hard to get made, um, and so we're going to talk a little about that tonight. Um, but before we start, um, so I grew up with the Phantom uh, with Phantom. I grew up with uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fandom as just a central part of my life i mean this thing started i really in in 86 87 mm-hmm. uh was 87 when cartoon started i was born in 1985 so when i was getting into action figures uh around the age of four or five years old some of the first action figures i had were teenage mutant ninja turtles uh, my mother was extremely good about just you know looking and being like taking me down the aisle and be like what stands out to you and the turtles always stood out. Uh, they they were just extremely colorful. Uh, they were ninjas, which when you're four, you don't really even really know what that means. But it's a cool word to say. Still kind of a cool word to say, honestly. Um, ninjas are great. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, so they they were just a really different kind of of toy. They stood out from everything else. Where everything else was very, at that time, either military or very sci-fi oriented. 
you know, and the turtles really stood out. And I don't think we can speak enough of the cultural impact that the turtles had in the late 80s, early 90s. I mean, this is something that was everyone was into uh, to the point where, you know, I mean, you when you thought of pizza almost, you thought of the turtles in the early 90s. And all the way down to the point of just things like, you know, cereals and uh, I remember uh, going to, uh, in Owensboro, Kentucky, we had a place called the Colonial Store, which was attached to the Colonial Bread Factory we had here in Owensboro. And you would go in there and you would buy these little apple pies. And they actually made a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle pie that had green filling. Uh, that was They never really told you what the taste was supposed to be. It was just really, I guess, <laughs> sugar uh, was the taste. But uh, distinct, uh, I mean, this is a distinct memory that I have of, of the turtles and, and, you know, just that kind of everyday aspect um, I don't think really exists among children's toys or, or action figures or even cartoons anymore. I know a couple days ago, uh, Al, you and Jake were talking about uh, on the Bloodborne stream. I want to want to plug that really great because that is, that is the best comedy stream on YouTube right now. Um, because you have one guy who knows everything you need to know about Bloodborne. You have another guy who knows nothing about Bloodborne, mm-hmm. and they're trying to get through the game together. It's basically a buddy comedy in the form of a stream. Um, but anyway, one of the things you guys brought up was, you know, what were your favorite cartoons? Uh, and of course, you know, Al, you said obviously Turtles was one of mine, and it was. But was there a, you know, before we really get into it, you know, I, I want to be correct when I'm making these statements. Was there a cartoon when you guys were, you know, maybe between five and, and ten that just had this, like, cultural impact? Because I can't really remember there there was one, but, I, but there might have been. What do you think, Al? Um... I think for me, at least, um, from what I remember and the people I was around at that time, if I had to pick one, um, it'd probably be the Pokemon series. Um, that's just the one that, that I remember um, whenever I'd walk up to like friends and other kids, and like we talk about a cartoon, and that was usually the one we went to. Um, I don't know if like that was true of like all five to 10 year olds <laughs> at that point. But that's just the one I remembered would come up habitually is a Pokemon series. I mean, in, in fairness though, like I, I don't remember it incredibly well, but I was five whenever the first movie came out. Um, and I remember that being everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. there were Burger King toys, there were cards in pretty much every store you could get them. You know, there were there were action figures, posters, everything. I mean, it was it's if you were challenging Star Wars, uh, the Phantom Menace for for marketing, that's that means you were doing something pretty big, you know. So, no, that's definitely the po- Pokemon's definitely up there. Definitely. Uh, that that might that might be my pick as well. Actually, the, not, not, the more the more I think about it, the the other one I was I was going to say, but it was really just because it's one I love was X Men Evolution. But that one really didn't take like the world by storm yeah, or anything. That's, that's <laughs> so, that's although it should have. That's a whole other podcast topic. All the, all the weird Marvel uh, cartoons as a whole other podcast topic. Um, I, what I will say about uh, I would agree with Pokemon. Pokemon is a 
Um, although I don't know if I'd put Pokemon in the same category as Ninja Turtles simply because of the fact that, you know, it started as the card game and the uh, video game and then became the cartoon. Uh, back in the 80s, you had this thing where essentially, you know, cartoons and toys were released pretty much simultaneously. That's how you that's how you made your money. You know, it's like, well, I've got a toy. What are you going to do if I'm going to make a cartoon? Well, I've got a cartoon. What are you going to do if I'm going to make a toy out of it? Uh, I mean, that's He-Man. That's even to an extent G.I. Joe. Uh, you know, that's uh, Turtles. That's things mm-hmm. like even lesser known Brave Star. Uh, stuff like that uh, was very much attached. They were... They were um, almost symbiotic to an extent. You couldn't have one without the other. I think Pokemon you kinda you kinda can. You can you can be a fan of the games and not know anything about the cartoon. You can be a fan of the cartoon, not know anything about the games, well that'd be kinda weird. You can be a fan of both of those, not know anything about the cards and want to just avoid that mess altogether. Um and so so I but so I, yeah I think Pokemon would be would be a an example of something that's had a cultural impact like Turtles. Um but I don't know if just from a cartoon standpoint it did. Um, and I, and, and I think that that might be because, and that's another reason I kind of wanted to do this turtle thing is because, um, is because I, uh, I, I do want to kind of, you know, give, give credits to a bygone age a little bit in the sense that we just don't do the cartoon thing anymore. You know mm-hmm. I mean? Cartoons, you know, the best cartoon on right now is Castlevania. And if you're showing that to your kids, um, the, I mean, you got there, there's there's something going there's something wrong going on right there. That's fair. Um, so you know, no, no, I think it's probably fair, Al. I think it's probably fair. No, um, no, disagreeing at all. That was not a grunt of disagreement. It was <laughs> it was a pensive grunt. That's what Castlevania will do. It'll make you very pensive. That's that's a that's yeah. that's also a Honor podcast. Yeah. Um, you well, know, just, so you know, I, I think if there is a cartoon that's more kid oriented, that like I would probably say is like the most popular cartoon right now. That's not um, that does not do the things that Castlevania does. Um, um, it, it'd probably be um, Steven Universe, which like actually just had a series finale last week. Uh, that's just the other. That's just the only other cartoon that I can think of that has like widespread success among kids that I can really think of on that topic. Yeah, and even then, I guess like Adventure Time might have as well, right? Yeah, yeah, that, that one too. But even with um, both of those shows, of, like you were saying, there really wasn't um, the toy component to those shows. There were some toys for Steven Universe and Adventure Time, but it wasn't the primary way that those properties were going to make revenue. Yeah, it's, uh, I think that's the, the standout thing. That's another thing we're missing. If you, I just get really sad when I go out down the toy aisle in Walmart, I still do it. not going to lie. And I just get really sad because it just doesn't seem like the, the action figures are there for the kids anymore. Most action figures now are, are actually made for adult collectors. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or at the very least, uh, made to uh, to to reach both uh, adult collectors and kids. Yeah. And the thing about you know, yeah, and the thing about the turtles is that it was a it was such a force. There were so many action figures and so much stuff. 
um, you know, the 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 cartoon lasted, I, I believe. Uh, well, I mean, I, I wrote on how many seasons the cartoon lasted. I know there's like 12 different volumes of it on DVD. Uh, just the first one. Um, and then, of course, like the toy line itself. I do know the first toy line ended in like 94, started in like 87, ended in 94. I mean, get a seven year run toy line and to put out as many toys as they did and, and to be uh just as broad as they were and they, their ability to keep making uh new versions of the turtles and everything was really something that uh either if if you're optimistic you look at it as uh ingenious if you're pessimistic you see it as a money grab uh it's probably somewhere in between those um i cannot uh cannot go any further with talking about the turtles though without mentioning the fact that the Turtles starred in the two best arcade games in history. Now, here's the thing. There can be disagreements there. Okay? I understand some of you guys are going to be like, what about Mortal Kombat? What about Street Fighter? You know? You know, what about, you know? No. Okay? All right? The four-player Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle stand-up arcade game, okay, is first and last in everyone's hearts. Okay? Um, You might say X-Men. X-Men is a copy of the four Ooh. player uh, mm. toys that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle arcade game. Uh, there's two of them. There's the first one, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Uh, and then there, of course, is Turtles in Time, where the turtles go through time. Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, both of them are just, in my opinion, the best arcade game of all time. Uh, but, I mean, even, even if you don't believe that, there's maybe ten stand-up arcade games that people my age remember and will have fond memories about, and those are two of the ten, you know? And uh, the countless quarters that you would spend uh, trying to beat that stupid game because it was basically next to impossible. It, was, it basically became a, a war of attrition uh, after a while uh, where you were just hoping that, you know, the five dollars that you have would not run out before, you know, Super Shredder dominated you again. Um, but it was just a fantastic... I mean, they they were able to do a lot in that game, not only with just the level design and, you know, even though the, the game itself was pretty simplistic, I, the, it was very colorful. Uh, the music was fantastic. Um, and I just, you know, just the idea of having three friends with you or three randos with you going through this game together. Uh, it was really, really community building in a lot of ways. I remember the voice actually was actually pretty revolutionary for the time too. It kind of like, was, it, yeah. Was... I mean, they would scream things like "shell shocked" and mm. you know, and you know, Cowabunga. Stuff. Cowabunga. Yeah. yeah, it was. I, I know there wasn't a whole lot in it, but at the same time, you know, for the time for the time that it came out, it was actually pretty, uh, pretty cool to see. I mean, here's the thing: like, here I, there have been many times where the only thing keeping me from taking a week's paycheck. And buying the Walmart stand-up uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle mm-hmm. uh, arcade system, the, the which you can hands. buy for three hundred dollars. Okay, there's been many times that the only thing keeping me from doing that is the chastisement I would receive from Jacob uh, Vance Picardi Hardesty, uh, who would just be like, "What in the world are you doing? Where are we going to put this?" Um, but there Where's have been the times coming from, but there have been I mean, times you know. where, I, where that has been my thought is, you know, I need to own that. But anyway, um, moving on that really quick, I, cause I do want to get into the movie. I cannot go into the turtles without telling this story. Um, the turtles went on tour as a musical group at mm-hmm. one point. 
Yes, they did. And they came to Robert Stadium in Evansville, Indiana. And Al Mattingly, you're not going to believe this, but I saw the Turtles perform at Robert Stadium. I was about fifth row, and it was a life-changing experience, okay? Because <laughs> um, basically what you did was you had the Turtles in the in, uh, reproductions of the Turtle suits in the movies. Of course, the one in the movies are are really well done. I'm going to talk about that in, in a little bit. But um, but they were in reproductions of suits, and they would play music. Um, but it was kind of like a almost like Chucky e. Keys in a sense because they would play like sixties and seventies and eighties pop hits, you know. So like if you ever wanted to hear, you know, the Turtles do "Here She Comes" just walking down the street singing "Do Wah Diddy," this was the show for you. Uh, and the big penultimate moment of the show was when the Shredder had invented a machine that tore up and shredded all the rock music in the world. And he the would, fiend! Exactly. And he would shred it, and then they shot it out of, like, confetti guns, and you would see, like, these little plastic pieces of, you know, or really, well, excuse me, paper pieces of music uh, that were coming, and they were, like, shaped in, like, you know, like, they would have, like, little vinyl pieces. I mean, it was so great, dude. It was so How awesome. How could they? And they shot it out over you, and you were like... He's destroyed all music, you know. All the of- shredder killed music, you know. Um, I know, but uh, but that I was just a uh, you know that was I had to mention that. Uh, I mean, that's how big they were. Okay, is that they got themselves a you know almost like I mean, what would you even compare to like a Disney on Ice kind of thing? Yeah. <laughs> like the turtles were ninjas, you know, in a TV show fighting other ninjas. And somebody said, in order to milk more money out of this, we need to make them a pop group. I mean, that's just like something that just doesn't happen. Uh, that's how big they were. Uh, so that leads us into talking about the movie, okay? Real, really quickly, okay? So we've all three now seen the movie. Did all three of us, you know, I mean, I'm going to bring this up a little later. Um, but, I mean, did we did we like the movie? Did we hate the movie? What, what? You know, real quick, what do you, what do you think of it, Al? Just uh, like an overall kind of idea. I, I don't go too deep because I got questions later. But like, what do you think? Um, no, no, I I personally loved it. Um, I watched it and like it just actually I had to describe to my roommate because uh, he came home when I was in like um, the middle of the movie, um, and he just found it kind of odd that I was watching that because before this I had never really shown a lot of interest in the Ninja Turtles before. Um, right. And I was just like, no, man, like, it it just it just feels good. Like, it's one of the movies that just <laughs> you watch, and it, it makes you happy, because it's just it's just a lot of fun. I loved it. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with you, Jake. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it... I saw it, of course, when I was younger. Uh, I think you actually probably showed it to me. Um, and then this was probably the first time I watched it in maybe five, six years, something like that. And I had forgotten. I, I didn't think it would actually hold up quite as well as it did. Um, just because I, I figured, you know, oh, well, I was younger, you know, wasn't really thinking about it from, from a film standpoint, you know, stuff like that and everything. Really actually enjoyed it, um, you know, and really it kind of set up 
in my opinion, it set up a lot of films in the later 90s and early 2000s with the way that they would set up their origin films, you know, and being fairly, I mean, Ninja Turtles is actually closer than a lot of some of your other later films when it comes to the origin of the characters and everything. Uh, nailing different different aspects of, of the of them and everything, and especially, like I said, their origin. Uh, it's really kind of told in a really kind of interesting way where it's, you start out. You don't start out when they're when they're kids. You start out. They're already the turtles, and then you get told the story later. I really kind of enjoyed that. That great little part with all the cute little turtles. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's great. So so fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. So the movie itself. Okay, a little background on the movie uh, has so it it is not really influenced by the cartoon all that much. Um, you know, that's the reason, like, so I mentioned uh, Bebop and Rocksteady, who are huge parts of the cartoon. They're not in any of the movies um, because they're not part of the comic. The movie itself is really influenced more by the comic, mm. uh, by Frank Laird and Robert Eastman. Uh, there's a real much bigger influence. Um, Kevin Eastman. Uh, did I say Robert? Yeah, Kevin. Kevin Eastman. I'm thinking Robert Kirkman. Yeah. I don't know why. Kevin Eastman. Good gosh. Anyway, uh, but yeah, much more influence from them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But but not uh, just a bigger, just a way bigger influence from from those two guys. Uh, the comic itself is a little grittier. Uh, if you don't know this, the comic is uh, their joke take on Daredevil. Essentially, mm-hmm. I don't know if you knew that or not. <clears throat> so in you know, so in Daredevil, Daredevil's main enemy is what? The main group he's fighting is what? The hand. <clears throat> the main group, the turtles fight is what? The foot. How? The, the foot. foot exactly yeah. so like there's just a lot of little nods there a lot of little, little jokes uh to daredevil there uh not really hateful jokes uh they were big fans of it obviously uh but just like a lot of fun kind of take off on that uh canonically they actually both came about due to the same accident actually. oh yeah exactly yeah the, the toxic yeah the toxic, toxic waste. Yeah, yeah exactly so yeah you got that as well um but anyway the influence is definitely more on laird eastman's work hear them from the cartoon um which led to some issues there was a lot of people thinking the car the movie itself was too dark um uh the there's a famous uh, a famous quote uh if you ever get to if you ever get a chance to watch the toys that made us on netflix which you should on their mm-hmm. turtle episode uh one of the guys who was in charge of turtle marketing went to uh, Steve Barron, who directed the movie, and said, "You've ruined this for all of us um, because of how <laughs> how dark it was." I don't think the movie's overtly dark. I think the movie is dark, maybe from an aesthetic standpoint, but really not from a uh, thematic one. Um, I, there's some things in this movie I don't think you could do now, but like we'll get to that later. Um, but but anyway, that was an issue. Uh, there's two reasons in my mind that this movie holds up. I want to give them to you really, really quickly. And we're going to talk a little more about this later, but there's two things that you need to know if you're ever watching this movie and going, man, this looks a lot better and seems a lot better than a lot of movies from this. I mean, in my opinion, this movie holds up way better and say, you know, I'm just, I, I love kicking this movie in the teeth. So I'm going to do it again. Say Batman returns. Batman returns looks really, you look dated in my opinion. Uh, it's kind of ridiculous. In my opinion, this movie about four turtles doesn't look anywhere near as ridiculous as Batman Returns. And part of the reason for that, there's two reasons actually. One, this is the last movie Jim Henson actually worked on before he died. Uh, so you have you have one of the geniuses of puppeteering, 
uh, and one of the geniuses of makeup and one of the geniuses of costuming uh, in the history of film. Okay, this is the last movie he worked on uh, before he passed away, which is one of the reasons why, for example, Splinter, in my opinion, I just watched it again, you know, an hour right before you guys came in. Uh, Splinter, to me, just stands out as just a fantastic animatronic uh, work of art. I mean, what they do with him, his ability to emote and express uh, things, I mean, it's just really fantastic. Um, so, yeah, that's that's one thing. Okay. Another thing that's interesting about this, okay, is the editor of this movie is Sally Minke. Do you know? Do you? Before I even mention who that is, do y'all know who that is? I, I got nothing. Al, no. you know it all. I do not know. Okay, Sally Minke is Quentin Tarantino's closest collaborator until she died in 2010. She edited all of his movies. Okay, so Pulp Fiction, uh, Inglorious Bastards. Both Kill Bills, Jackie Brown, Reservoir Dogs. Um, and so there's like, if you go back and we watch this movie, okay? I'm not saying it's like a Tarantino film, okay? But if you go back <laughs> and you watch this movie, all right? The, one of the reasons I think this movie moves so well and stands up is because they actually have a professional editor on this thing, okay? It's not like, once again, I'm going to kick this movie in the seat. It's not like Tim Burton being like, I had a dream that maybe Penguin could bite someone's nose off in this and no one would react to it. Okay. You have an actual editor here who's putting these scenes together in a way that makes sense. Um, best example of that, just a fantastic shot. Uh, it's very melodramatic, but it's a good shot. When they come in, they find Splinter gone. There's this moment where Raphael just starts screaming and they do this, this trick where she speeds up the camera on it and it's really off kilter. It's like something you would honestly see in a in an art film, and it just works to it establish around him. Yeah, yeah, it just works to establish the tone really well for what they're going for. And so you, so basically, what I'm telling you is that one of the reasons I think this movie stands out is because, you know, I'm not, I have no illusions. This movie was a money grab, but there were people working on this movie that were like attempting to actually do something with this movie. Um, and so that to me is a uh, very interesting. So. Two pieces of history. Uh, we're talking about Jeopardy. If you ever go on Jeopardy, uh, either one of you and those questions come up, you owe me the money you make from those questions. Okay. okay. Yep. Uh, no one thought this movie would make money because of how god awful the Master of the Universe movie did in 1987, which scared off a lot of people, uh, as it should have, because that movie is ridiculous and horrible. Uh, but no one thought it would make money. Walt Disney turned it down. Warner Brothers turned it down. Uh, basically, all the big distributors turned it down. Um, however, it would go on to become, at the time, the most profitable independent film ever made. Um, and it basically put New Line Cinema on the map. I was, I was about to say, I thought New Line did it. So if New Line Cinema... Okay, so here's, here's, the best, here's the best what if of this entire thing. New Line Cinema at this time, okay? Uh, Al, you probably know us being the horror guy. New Line Cinema at this time's biggest movies as a distributor had been Evil Dead, mm -hmm. which at the time it came out was not a big film. Right. The first Nightmare on Elm Street, the second right. Nightmare on Elm Street, the third and the fourth Nightmare on Elm Street. Those were their biggest movies, okay? But, however, all those movies were at the time, even though, you know, they're considered classics now. Well, Nightmare 4 probably isn't. But anyway, the others, <laughs> even though they're considered classics now, um were considered B-movies back then, okay? They were, you know, shuffled off to, you know, they were a low-income, high-reward-if-you're-lucky kind of movie, 
Okay. So Nuance Cinema takes a chance on this movie. It becomes extremely profitable, so profitable that the second movie is profitable as well, which causes Turner to buy it. Turner, in turn, see what I did there? Uh-huh. Turner, in turn, mar- merges with Warner Brothers. So here's what I'm telling you. If Nuance Cinema does not do the Turtles movie, do you know how many movies you might have missed out on from from Warner Brothers because Nuance Cinema is the is the faction of Warner Brothers that takes on the stuff no one else wants to do. So like you've got lower lower things like say the Conjuring franchise, okay, which no one will take a chance on except for Nuance Cinema. But you've also got bigger things like Jake. What's the big what what's the big six movie you want to bring up right now? Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit <laughs> and the Hobbit, okay? <clears throat> All right, so in my opinion, okay, this is my opinion. If you don't have the Turtles making $150 million on this $13 million movie, which is what they end up doing, okay, which is fantastic. $13 million? Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, that's what that's what Jim Henson can do, man. You give that man 500 <laughs> bucks, he's like, I got this, okay? All right, but if you don't have that happen, okay, in my opinion, none of these mergers happen. There's no reason for Turner to buy it. There's no reason for, and then, and then, it when Turner Turner's going to merge with Warner Brothers no matter what, but he wouldn't have New Line Cinema with him. And in my opinion, it gets way harder for Lord of the Rings to happen, and it gets even way harder for New Line Cinema to be like, "Hey, we're going to get the guy who's made these B movie horror movies to come in and do Lord of the Rings." Okay, so that's my opinion. Um, and oh, and just one more thing before we move on. Before we move on. It is still the 21st highest grossing movie for New Line Cinema. It outgrossed the mass. It, in fact, outgrossed every Jim Carrey movie that's ever been done by New Line Cinema, which is hilarious to me. Uh, not that having things Jim Carrey, I just think that's interesting that this movie's still that big. Um, so, yeah. so, yeah. So, that's our intro into this, okay? So, with all that stuff in mind, okay? All right. 30 minutes in. Yeah, 30 minutes <laughs> in, okay? Hey, I warned you guys, okay, when we're going to talk about Turtles... I mean, it's the turtles. We've got a lot to talk about. Yeah, okay. that's true. And I don't know if we have a lot to talk about. Josh has a lot to talk about. <laughs> okay. I appreciate you guys just sitting there and letting me blather on about how much I love this movie. But now I'm going to give you guys a chance to talk about this. I've already learned more about this movie just from sitting here. So I I'm mean, good. in that, it, I know, I know. I'm just a wealth of knowledge. That's why exactly. I need to go on Jeopardy. Well, so, anyway, um, I'm going to ask this. Okay. We're gonna, Jake, I'm going to start with you, man. Okay. Um, so just what did you like best about this movie? You guys both said you liked it. What did you like best about it? For me, um, well, for me, this, and this is a big thing because in a lot of ensemble films, uh, even in modern day, um, and this, this goes from any kind of, I mean, I'm, I'm talking from any kind of series of film, horror, comedy, anything. Um, they really differentiated the four turtles incredibly well. Um, there was never a point where I'm not even talking just, just voice actors. I'm talking just the way that they spoke, the way, the, the way the dialogue that the, each one had, um, there was never a point where, even if I couldn't see their mask, you know, or couldn't see, know who, which mask they had or which weapon they had, I knew exactly who each one was in every given point in time. Um, now admittedly that does come from, you know, watching the cartoon, reading the, reading some of the comics and stuff like that, knowing the different personalities of the, of these characters, but they really brought that out really well. And, and, and once again, this is a, at a time where a lot of films like this hadn't, 
I mean, this you said this one came out in 90 or 91? 90. 90. Okay, so this is the same year as Super Mario Brothers? This <laughs> is the re- before that, but yeah. Okay, so this, okay, yeah. so okay, so it's even before Super Mario Brothers. It's a few, it's a few years after. Yeah, yeah, I said it. Yeah, let's kick that one in the teeth. Let's, let's go ahead. I mean, I mean, we're just kicking people when they're down at this well, point. Be, okay, because because that that's what the thing is you you mentioned what. Just <laughs> what a pool! Like when I when I hopped on this podcast, we were just like, "Oh, cool, we're talking about Ninja Turtles tonight." The last thing I think I would hear was just like, <laughs> was just any of us just being like, you know what? Let's compare this to the Super Mar- Super Mario Brothers action movie. <laughs> I'm I'm just saying I, I'm looking at it from from the standpoint of you. You talked about how. You know, you had two people who were genuinely professionals on this, you know, which means that they were two people that were actually trying to do something with care, you know, which. I'm going to be real quick. I think you had more than two people that were. I mean, I mean, I mean, uh, yes, yes. But you you mentioned two specifically. But, you know, the interesting thing about that, though, is that you contrast that with especially once you get into like the mid nineties, I mean, people started throwing stuff at the, at the screen and just was like, let's hope it sticks, mm-hmm. you know, like, I mean, and you could, and you, you could do that just flipping through channels at any given point in time on like TNT or anything, or any of like the movie channels like HBO or Showtime or anything, you know, um, there were some weird movies coming out in the middle of the nineties. And for someone to, to say, you know, I'm going to take the Ninja Turtles film and I'm going to try to actually do something good with it and actually try to, be I, I would really even say honorable to what what these people have done who helped to create these characters that's something that was interesting to me and that's something that I really kind of enjoyed seeing come across on the screen Al what do you think man what do you like about it um I think I'm gonna have to go with a couple things um and one of them we've talk, talked about a little bit before just kind of in passing but um I think one of the main things I was really impressed by was that um this is a movie that came out in 1990 um i watched it when it was like a 30 year old film um and it did not feel like a 30 year old film like obviously it didn't feel like it was a movie that came out like last year but like um there are films from the 90s that you watch and you're just like ooh wow, this didn't age well. Like, not anything about this feels, like, good or, or comfortable to watch. But, like, I watched um, I watched this one, and I was just like, this this feels good. Like, this, this, this is, like, a feel-good viewing experience, and it doesn't feel like I'm watching something that's, like, that's antiquated in any way, that's, like, um, that's, like, objectively inferior to films coming out now. It feels like it was... It was just like a really well done um, film. Um, and then the other thing I liked about it a lot, and like, it just kind of it's kind of the focus of the movie, to be honest, is that like, um, is that the turtles like they feel like heroes should feel, and that um, like a lot of times we watch like superhero films now, and I love the majority of s- superhero films now that come out, but. Um, you get into the story of the movies and you get into the scenes and like, you get the feeling of just like, wow, everything feels really big. Like everything, like every other superhero movie or even more than that comes out and you're just like, wow, it feels like the world is at stake. Like every, (laughs) every passing second, there's like a new worldwide threat or galaxy wide threat that they have to resolve. When like, um, you watch, um, the first turtles film, 
And like they're just like dudes helping out the neighborhood where they live. And like I think that small scale is a lot more it makes the characters a lot more relatable. And that like that's something you can identify with and something that you're just like, well yeah, I would care about that too. And like it just makes the scale more digestible as well. Like uh, when I was watching it, I never felt overwhelmed with like the plot. I never felt like, oh my God, the world's at stake. What are they gonna do? It felt like it felt very homey and it felt very like it's so weird because like you wouldn't think a movie shot in the nineties about like anthropomorphized turtles would feel grounded. But like it felt it felt very <laughs> grounded. It felt very like yeah. very like, oh hell yeah. Like you want to cheer for like the hometown hero. And just like especially when that's something you just don't get from superhero movies a lot right now. Just uh they felt really good. It made it a lot more engaging. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. And I kind of I kinda of want to piggyback on that real quick because I think that's one of the things um, and by the way, it's going to be one of the problems I think we're going to have moving forward with mm. these movies. But uh, but one of the things that Turtles did really well um, is for for a while, at least. I mean, they did have aliens come in, stuff like that. But yeah. at its core, it is this just group of guys that are, you know, that their master's like, I'm going to teach you how to be a ninja so you can help people. And like, even like, you know, it, it, you're right. It seems more, it, it, it's weird because it's turtles and it's like, you know, you know, all these mutated animals doing this, but like, there is a grounding to that. And the fact that, you know, they are very centered around the city. They're very centered about, you know, helping people out around the city. Um, and it may, it really did make it stand out against say something like He-Man or Thundercats or even G.I. Joe. Look, I love G.I. Joe more than anything. But G.I. Joe's cartoons would essentially be like, we're going to save the world again, and then at the end of it, we're going to put on this PSA where we're going to tell this kid how he can save the world by, you know, not wasting water. You know, it's like, and it never really seemed to match up, you know. And Turtles matches up in, in the sense that, you know, it's like, it's something that you can watch, and I think you use Hometown Hero. You can watch and just really root for these guys because they are, you know, kind of down-home boys in a, in a lot of ways. Um and which brings me, you know, to the thing I like about the movie. Uh, you've both kind of touched on it, but uh, I think the thing that stands out, the thing that makes this movie st- <laughs> hold up so well today is that thematically it's extremely consistent because thematically the movie's all about family and um, and, and about what, uh, how to find purpose amongst family, so to speak. And you've got these two, you know, you, they set up really well these two opposite forces and Splinter and Shredder and and what their version of family means. You know, Splinter, of course, and it, 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 look, it's real basic. I'm not saying Citizen Kane, okay? It's extremely <laughs> basic how they do it, okay? But once again, comparing it, as Jake said, to other 90s movies, to have that thematic theme just really, and everything, everything that happens in this movie drives home that concept of family. So, like, for example, you know, you've got, you know, when Splinter gets kidnapped and there's this really, you know, like, this really bad moment that happens in the middle of the movie, which is actually kind of hard to watch when you're a kid and kind of still, like, I, I still like watching it, you know, I've probably watched it four times in the last month. And it's still, watching Raphael just get the crap kicked out of him is just 
really hard to watch and shouldn't be as hard to watch as it is because once again it's an anthem you know it's a it's a giant turtle you know that's just getting beat up but watching that happen and then you know you have this really low part of the movie you know that happens because the three turtles have let the one turtle go away and the one turtle has you know kind of turned his back on the family and they leave and where they go they go to april's family home you know, and they become a family again, and they come back, and then Casey Jones, of all people, gives this whole, you know, little, uh, you know, this little uh, speak about, you know, this is family, you know, that that's family, you know, like, Casey Jones is the role model of all things, which is weird, you know, but this this idea of family. Is wonderful, by the way. This idea of family <laughs> is just driven home over and over and over again, and everything that goes into this movie and out and out of this movie uh, from a storyline standpoint, you know, starts and ends with family. And, you know, I mean, that's when, that's what Shredder does. I mean, Shredder's whole thing is like to get these, you know, these kids that don't have a family or whatever, uh, or who believe it don't have a family to join his family. And the idea of what family means and, you know, what it means to have purpose within a family, uh, that theme is all through this movie. And it's there even if you don't realize it's there. And uh, to me, that's something that makes it stand out uh, quite a bit. Um, so, yeah, no, I think that's all. I think that's all. Uh, that's, that's the stuff I like. You know, that's what I like best about the movie. I do think we, you know, we need to uh, talk about the fact uh, just a little bit. Uh, this is kind of an offshoot. But one of the things that I think really is fantastic about this movie, we talked about a little bit already, is that. Um, the puppeteering and the costumes and the animatronics to me do not seem dated. No. Um, you know, a lot of times, like I, you know, look, man, I like I like Dark Crystal. Dark, the old Dark Crystal may seem somewhat dated. I mean, it's impressive what they were doing. I think Henson's actually kind of going for a dated feel on a lot of that um, because he's trying. He's. I don't think he wants you to view that in a realistic aspect at all. Okay. But in this movie, there is something to, to, to the fact that like, even though you've got these turtles standing, you know, I mean, you've got giant turtles essentially and a giant rat. Uh, they look like they belong in the scene. And, you know, Henson, I, I think that's part of Henson's genius. There is that they never seem to be, out of place does that make sense i don't know like yeah i don't really know what i'm trying to say here I, but it's like you know they never seem out of place it always seems like you know like there it's very like once again okay like i'm gonna kick this movie in the teeth again i'm gonna probably do it several times because of my it's, it's just a disappointing movie but like batman returns like penguin is jarring okay like penguin every time he's on <laughs> you know in, in in a frame like he's just a very jarring presence <laughs> You know, like just what he is. He's like, you know, he's grotesque, and he's actually supposed to be a, I guess, a, I guess, a human in that. I don't, I don't, I don't really know what Batman Returns is trying to do there. Okay, I don't know, but Tom. like, but like, he's a very jarring presence. Okay, there's never a point in this movie where the turtles are seem out of place. I don't know. Uh, you know, I mean, like, talk, you guys, uh, Al, what, you know, like, you know, what do you think? You know, what do you think of the the you know Henson's work on this? You know, the puppeteering and all that. Um, I think, I think it's a credit to Henson to say that, like, um, 
they the turtles in Splinter like they seemed as natural as something like that possibly could. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm going to be honest, like I don't I don't think there's an iteration of the turtles that like won't look slightly off just because of what they are. Like you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like it won't ever like you know, there's like <laughs> humans have like developed <laughs> over time over the course of evolution like the uncanny valley response of if like a human doesn't look quite human enough um and like it's that kind of thing where it's just like we aren't wired our in our brains to just accept the fact that there's a giant turtle talking to us so like (laughs) there'll always be that like small amount of pushback but like um again it look they look as natural to the scene as they possibly could and i think that says way more uh, for Jim Henson than it says for like any s- s- CGI rendering that the turtles have ever had because the CG- because the CGI renderings to go off topic a bit that we've gotten um, in other products have like have have not felt as natural as they could have been they <laughs> they they felt anything but as natural as they could have felt so so yeah that's where I'm at with it yeah I mean yeah I'm I'm obviously you know. I, I, I mean, I definitely think they're supposed to look different, obviously. It'd be weird if, you know, they were, I don't know, if they weren't turtles, it'd be weird because the movie's called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, obviously. But, like, but so, so I mean, I, I, yeah, I agree with you on that. But just the, I don't know, the, okay, so, like, here, here's, here's okay, I'll, I'll kick another movie in the teeth. How about that? So, like, Ooh. the first Hobbit movie, okay, which is the oh. one that uses all the, the first one really that uses CGI for the orcs, I think it looks ridiculous. Okay. Particularly the, the King orc that sings the song yes. or whatever. Okay. Like it just looks weird. And if you take that and compare it to say like how Lurts looks in fellowship of the ring, I don't, I don't know any person in the world that's going to pick the Hobbit version of the orc over the Lord of the Rings version of the orc. And, you know, and, and I think, you know, one of the things I'm, that that strikes me when I'm watching this movie is like how rare it is to have, you know, this type of artistry anymore. You know, no one does this anymore, really. I mean, like, you know, Guillermo del Toro does it every now and then, um, you know, like, you know, like Peter Jackson did, but really like no one, no one takes the care to do this kind of thing really anymore. Um, on on the scale at least and and to me it just you know i think it's something there's something to be said for that um you know real, uh, real quick i do want to point out the as well um you know as other pro- great professionals in this they had some fantastic stunt actors working as the turtles in this because yeah. uh the stuff they were pulling off uh was was great you know and of course i know there's wires and stuff but still uh, it it looks better than it has any right looking. You know, don't you think so, Jake? I, I was, yeah, because I, I was actually, that moves into kind of what I was about to say was the fact that the fight scenes kind of hold up a lot better than I anticipated. Um, and yeah, sure, there's some things that look kind of silly because, like Al said, you know, it's a giant turtle. It's going to look a little bit different, you know, than what we're kind of used to. But a lot of the movements and everything hold up and like you said better than they have any right to um 
you know, I mean, prime example, we already mentioned it. The scene where Raphael is fighting, like, it, I mean, it's, it looks like 50 different foot soldiers, mm-hmm. you know, on, uh, you know, on, on the rooftop. That looks like a genuinely, like, good fight scene, you know. Uh, and then whenever they crash into the shop and everything, that's a re- that's it's a really good scene. You know, and yeah, does it have silly moments? Of course. There's literally a moment where Michelangelo is laying on the ground, and then Donatello spins him so he can knock everyone out with nunchucks. The Wheel of Fortune, Donnie. The Wheel of Fortune, Donnie. <laughs> exactly, you know. You know, that's but that, that's a, and that, but that's a great moment, you know. Um but it also fairly realistic, you know, in the in the way they did it with the with the with the puppetry and everything, you know, and with the suits and all that, um, you know, and that's, but 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 to me, you know, you you talked about earlier about how Splinter was expressive, you know, and the, the way in the, uh, you know, with with his animatronics and everything, um, the turtles are the exact same way in this, um, especially, you know, I mean, you you already mentioned probably the best shot of the movie uh, is when Raphael starts screaming after he sees the splinter's gone. That's a, that's a moment where they really do. They do a lot with his face, despite it just being a puppet. Um, you know, it's, it's really kind of, like you said, a, t- a testament to, to their work and everything. Um, so yeah, no, I mean, they, it holds up really, really well. Okay. Um, so at this point, it kind of seems like we're ready to just kick uh, dance with wolves off of its pedestal. Dance with wolves won the Oscar. In 1990, uh, and just kick it off the festival and give it to Teenage Mutant Ninja Actually, I am ready to do that because Dance with Wolves is a god awful movie in retrospect. Uh, but um, you know, I want to, I want, I want to, you know, show some, you know, show some parody within the fan of correspondence. Okay? okay, show that we can do both. You know, so what did you not like about this movie? And be as brutally honest as you want to be. Um, because, you know, I mean, it, it's it's not going to hurt my feelings too much. There are things you did not like about this movie. Uh, so what did you not like about it? Jake, we'll start with you. Was that really the best teenage actor they could have gotten for Danny? <laughs> Like let's let's just like I like because because when we talk about the child actor here we go just saying I'm just saying you know we we, we've been talking about how you know expressive the turtles were you know (laughs) but you know this this is an actual human who apparently was struggling with it Um, you know. So so yeah that that's that's probably the the only one the and what's unfortunate is that I really liked. the storyline, because I really, I like that Shredder's main plan is just to screw over the entire city, you know, and just to, and just to do it with, uh, with these, basically just these runaway teenagers, you know, I think that's a really, really cool concept that it's not a, like a doomsday device or anything like you, like you, like you all said earlier, it's just, it's a very grounded kind of, uh, plan. Um, but By yeah. By the way, real quick, just to let y'all know. Since I don't think I don't I don't know what year you were born in, Jake. I know you weren't born in 1990. No, it was not. So you know, in 1990, the biggest fear <laughs> among parents for their kids was that they would get involved in gang lifestyle. Um, I did not know that. Know, and I mean, and so I mean, this is a, you know, I mean, this is we're three years away from Hillary Clinton's, you know, uh, su- uh, super predators remark about uh, black teenagers. Uh, you know, we're five years away from the three strike law from Bill Clinton that would affect 
uh, minority teenagers. So what I'm saying is that this movie in you know in 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 1990 is really hitting a nerve on that concept on the idea of like you know there's a there's a fear that parents had <laughs> that their kids were going to get involved in the wrong crowd and they were going to go out and just you know wreak havoc and that was a real fear particularly among the bigger cities. Uh, you know, of course, we're coming off of like the Dare program and Just Say No are built around this time. So this movie really like is is a little bit of a time capsule as far as that story. I, I'm, I'm saying about well, Danny's storyline. Sure. There's a bit of a time capsule there effect, and um, that his storyline is very, uh, very indicative of what people were f- afraid of at the time. Here's what I will say though, to your point. Did you guys not find hilarious that he's wearing a Sex Pistols shirt in every shot he's in? Yes, uh, yes, that 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 was another thing. <laughs> That's you one know, of the just, best parts of this movie. Ba- basically, basically, just the 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 entirety of Daddy is really what I didn't like about this movie. Um, you know, like and and, and until uh, like until he he is willing to say to risk everything to save Splinter at the end. You know, um, you know. But uh, but yeah, that that's that's Danny was just really the only thing I didn't really like. You know, every, everything else, I mean, nine 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 putting a point point nine eight percent of this movie is perfect. In my really? Opinion, okay. You know? yeah. All right. Well, so Dan- okay. like I, I mean, I, 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 I'm trying to think, and if I think of anything else, I will come back to it. But as of right now, that that's it for me. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree. I don't disagree with Danny at all. Uh, poor kid. Uh, probably his first, and I don't know him in anything else. Or probably his last performance. <laughs> you know, Al. What do you think? What did you not like about the movie? Um, I'm sure this is a controversial statement among Team and T fans. Um, I didn't like Casey Jones very much in this. Um, um, to me, there could be like some big part of it that was steeped in like turtles lore that I missed as somebody who's a very casual fan of the turtles. But um, to me, you take Casey Jones out of the movie entirely and there isn't a whole lot that you lose. Um, I just don't, I don't know. I don't see how he's like a necessary character to like anything. Um, I think the actor does fine. Um, Yeah. There's like, the things in the movie that didn't age well were very much centered around Casey Jones, in my opinion. But I have a I have a question coming up. It's like, what age is the best? What what doesn't age at all? And I and I I mean, yeah, I, I I'm a, yeah. Go on now. I just want to let you know that's coming up. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would yeah that'll be that'll be included in my answer for sure. Just the yeah. the person that Casey Jones is in that movie. So, so really, so, I mean, really, so like you two, okay, who are, you know, I mean, you know, fairly, fairly harsh critics of movies, in my opinion, although fair. Yes. I'd say you're both fair. Uh, I would say I'm probably not fair sometimes. Um, but really, Danny and Casey are your, are your two issues here in this movie. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, of, uh, for me personally, I mean, of. Primary characters, primary storyline, everything else. I can't. I, I, I'm struggling to find an answer. Okay. You know, like, say, uh, same, same thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, like, I don't, I don't think it's like a perfect film by any means. Like, I don't. <laughs> I mean, like, it's. I mean, there are parts of it that are just very s- s- silly. Um, 
and things like that. So, I, I mean, like, I'm not going to sit here and say that, like, it's Oscar worthy. But, like, um, as far as it accomplished everything that, like, I wanted to get out of it. Um, I wanted it to have some cool fight scene stuff. I wanted it to, like, entertain me. I wanted it to be fun. Um, and I felt like it was. Um, I wanted it to have good characterization of characterization of the turtles, um, which like I feel like it did. Um, uh, my favorite turtle was Raphael, and I felt like it was a good, it was a good Raph. So like I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna sit here and tell you like <laughs> to like steal your reference, Josh. I'm not gonna sit here and say it was Edison Kane, but like it's it in my opinion it did everything it needed to do. Yeah, I, I, that's one of the reasons I kind of you know I'm I'm really looking forward to and hopefully doing a lot more movies with you two um, because I think uh, you guys and 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 th- and, th- and th- that's one of the things I, I was going to bring up and I think you guys would agree with me on this you know it doesn't have to be one of the best movies ever in order to be a perfect movie in my opinion it, it, a perfect movie is a movie that does exactly what it set out to accomplish. Um, I think this movie is about as close to being perfect and setting out or doing what it's trying to accomplish uh, as you could possibly get with a genre film like this. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, yeah, you're right. It's not, it's not one of the all time greats, but you know, I, I agree with you. It's, it's hard to pick out things that you don't like about this movie because it does, it, 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 and it, and it never really tries to do anything beyond what it's attempting to do. Which is to tell a you know a, a fun story with a moral is essentially what it's attempting to do. Um, honestly, a lot of your modern day superhero films could probably learn from that. Yeah, they really could. Yeah, a lot honestly, of films, yeah, really. yeah, they really could. Um, you know, and and that's that's the thing. If we're gonna cha- if we're gonna change the question, then like then like yeah, I enjoyed it a lot more than I did a lot of <laughs> than I did a lot of the DC films I watched. Like it's. It's objectively yeah. better. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, that's that's you know, that's <laughs> I mean, you know, it's yeah. I, I would agree with that. I mean, I, you know, honestly, I mean, I'm gonna say, you know, and this is a, you know, this is a kind of a controversial statement, and we're kind of, I'm kind of stepping on toes when I ask when I ask later on, but really, you know, in my opinion, of course, I am a turtle fan. You know, until you get to Spider-Man in 2002, this is probably the best fandom movie you know, uh, that, that was ever made. I mean, cause like, I, you know, I, I don't like, cause I don't like the Tim Burton Batmans. I love Batman forever, but I am under no illusion that that thing's not just ridiculously hilarious. <laughs> uh, Batman and Robin's got awful. I don't like the first three X-Men movies that much, as much as everyone else does, you know, and I, and I'm not a blade fan. So like, it's like, for me, this is the, this is the best fandom movie, but here's the thing. Even someone like me, who is just so enamored with this thing, um, you know, and it's such a huge part of my childhood. There were things that bothered me. And the thing, uh, Casey's going to come up again later, because uh, I, have, I have problems with Casey thematically in this movie. Um, and I, I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of wondering. I think they threw him in there because they almost had to have someone make out Judith Hogue for whatever reason. I don't know why, but I think they thought that. Um, but the there, there's a... There's there's parts in this movie, okay, where um, they it almost it's like they feel like that they've gone too dark, so they, they try to back up to add some levity 
So like, for example, okay. And the best example of this, once again, is with, with the, you know, the, you know, wrath just getting destroyed. They throw wrath through a window. Okay. All right. And, you know, there's, there's this freak out moment, you know, is he alive? This is exact quote, barely. Okay. (laughs) These, these foot soldiers come in. Michelangelo turns, one of them has a nunchuck, and he looks at him and says, oh, a fellow Fellow chucker, chucker, eh? And, like, look, look, here's the thing. That's an (laughs) iconic, iconic line, okay? We were all saying that. I'm not, like, I I, I don't want to take too much away from that. You can't take that out of the movie, all right? But, like, you go from... Your brother is half dead (laughs) before, Mikey. I mean, come on, man. You go from, like, Roth is about to, to die, okay? To I'm gonna have this weird, you know, show off moment, you know. And look, and another reason I think they did that also was show off that you know, like Henson just being like, "Hey, I gotta have a moment where I want to show off that this guy can wear this costume and still do these nunchuck tricks in it as well." And I understand once again, I get that. Okay, I'd want that as well. But man, the timing of it's bad. And that's also then two minutes later you get the Will of Fortune. You know, seeing I thought everyone loved Vanna. And it's just like you get like all this like ridiculous, like ridiculous humor going on while you know, while April is losing her father's business and while Roth is half dead. Okay. And I honestly think that if if I'm trying to give them credit, I honestly think because like, you know, from the beginning of this movie, Michelangelo and Donatellos are seemingly the the two that are just like you know, the Laurel and Hardy of the group. They actually they, have my favorite moment of the film, if I may, uh, which is the in the opening, whenever they get back, and Leonardo is bowing before Splinter, giving him the full dissertation of how they took down the foot soldier, or took down the thugs to help out April. Uh, immediately they put on tequila, and they start dancing, but whatever they're about to say, tequila, said so they go, ninjutsu! Yeah, exactly, and yeah. it will never not make me laugh. Just yeah, no, like, I mean, it's funny, I mean, yeah. Years later, and you know. I and I think like if 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 I'm trying to be generous to this movie, there's a character arc for Michelangelo and Donatello where, you know, they learn that they have to be more serious because they do like I mean because you have because you do have the moment, you know, later on where they're you know where they're contacting Splinter you know at the at the bonfire there, and they go either way to have Michelangelo start crying you know in that. You know, and, and like, and that, that's a mirror of the earlier moment where Dantel's saying, you know, you know, do you ever, you know, wonder about what Splinter said about him not being here anymore? And Michelangelo thinks for a second, goes, time's up, three bucks off the pizza or whatever, you know, that, you know, that he does. Because the pizza guy was late. Because the pizza guy was late, you know. And, uh, you know, just like, so I, the, at, at, there might be like a story arc I'm supposed to get from that. But it's just jarring, you know, and it's just like, it, it's just really hard, you know, to, to have those, um, to have those moments where, you know, like, you know, the tone is like this is really devastating, and yet you've got slapstick comedy going on as well, <clears throat> and so like, I mean, that's that's a honestly a nitpick for this kind of movie, but still, it's it's one that, like I said, I watched it like four times in the last two months, every single time it's gotten to me. Uh, so that that to me is what I what I don't like about. It. There's these moments where it seems like they're they want to go for a really, 
you know, like uh, have a really, I don't want to say dark because everybody uses dark, but like go for like a really serious moment and then they just kind of pull back on it. It's almost like, you know, they don't even trust themselves to have this serious moment. Um, okay. So what does hold up well in this movie and what does not hold up well in this movie? Um, Al, we'll go a few first. What what does hold up? We'll start there. What does hold up well in this movie? Um, yeah, uh, I think we've talked about it some. Um, I think, um, I think the scale and like the common theme of just like small scale heroism, um, I think it holds up really well. Um, it actually reminds me. Um, and this is a film that got like really critically panned. I never, I never understood all of the hate towards this one. But um, there's a scene in the Amazing Spider-Man Two where um, where Spider-Man's going around and he stumbles upon a kid who's being bullied by other kids, and he just like scares the bullies off, and he walks him home and talks to him about like a science project, and like it was just like a very very small scale very cool scene of just like you get to actually see the hero do something like heroic and endearing um and i think that uh, there's a lot uh, of um there's a lot of moments um in tmnt that have that um just like small stuff of just like hey the old lady is getting robbed like um I'm going to go and stop it. Like there wasn't any need for him to do that, but it, it was the right thing to do. And he's a hero and that like fits. And so I think that'll always age really well. Um, also I'm like, I think, um, I'm going to go with Jacob on it too. I I think the fight scenes like for the most part have, have also like aged really well. I feel like, um, you know, again, they have this silly stuff. They have, like, the Wheel of Fortune and stuff like that. But, like, um, as far as just fun, engaging fight scenes go, like, um, you know, I didn't feel the need to to check my phone or go get, like, s- something to drink when the fight scenes were going on. I was, I was engaged, um, and it felt good. Um, as far as things that haven't aged as well... Um, some of the humor does feel very rooted in the nineties. Um, again, depending on who you are, I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, I think if you have a taste He's for talking that, about me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think if you have a, a taste for that kind of comedy, I think it, I think it's great. I wasn't like, you know, I wasn't um, against it or anything like that, but I could see how some people would not be um, a fan um, of some of the comedy just because it, it does feel dated at times. Um, and yeah, just the entire, almost the entire character of Casey Jones, I feel like just doesn't age well. Um, he's, he's just very, there's no other way to say it. He's just very sexually aggressive with April O'Neil at times. <laughs> and it, it feel, it feels skeevy. It doesn't, it doesn't feel good. Um, you know, he has, he has a point where I forget what um, they call him claustrophobic. That's right. One of the turtles asks if asks if, he, if he's claustrophobic, mm. um, and mm. Casey is dumb and 
and like thinks he's asking him if he's a homosexual and gets all offended and there's like a joke that's made out of that and it just it just doesn't you know it doesn't age well it's one of those things where like i'm i'm sure it was fine back then and like they didn't actively intend any harm but we just we know better now we know that that isn't a cool thing to do um but but yeah i would say that i would say otherwise i think it's really age very well again i was i was engaged the entire time i watched it you know and that says a lot because there are there are movies i watched that have been made recently that i am not engaged the entire time so i think it says a lot for it jack what do you think I uh, well well first and foremost Al did steal my answer for what does not hold up well um, because you did mention that earlier and that was one of the scenes I immediately thought of was when Case is like I never even look at another man you yeah, know and yeah. I was like yeah no yeah that this that didn't age well at all um, I honestly think the the gist not to defend it but like to your point is like you said you said that might be something that's okay back then well it's really not okay back then. But the intention mm-hmm. that jokes to make Casey look stupid as opposed to being, you know, homophobic. Right. But at the same time, one of your main characters is homophobic. So it's an issue. You so, know? yeah, that's, it's that's, like, you know, it's yeah, a problem. Sure. You solved one problem and created another, yeah. you know. Um, but as as for what holds up well, um, you know, I, the, the, I mean, the, the fight, the fights. I mean, Al, I hate to kind of steal both your answers, but I mean, the, the fight scenes was the the engagement within the fight scenes was was one of the key things for me. Um, you know, the, and, and another one of the things that I think they really kind of showcased well, um, was that they allowed the fight scenes to also kind of tell parts of the story as well. Um, which a lot of your modern day action films just kind of leave that all to the wayside. It's just, you know, why are these guys fighting? Who knows, but they're doing it, you know, but with this one, um, you know, it continues with that story of family, especially in like the last scene. Because in, in the very last scene, of course, they're they're finally taking on Shredder. He finally shows up, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, it's the Shredder! He's got the spear. He's got the he's got the claw on on his left hand. Like it's it's crazy." Okay, you know, and they all try to take him one one at a time, and the same way that it does every time they do that, it does not go well for them. Um, you know, because he's, he, he's a, he's a ninja master, you know, like no one can take him on. Okay. Um, and then when they finally kind of team up together, they're able to, they're able to kind of make, make this kind of work. And then of course, Splinter ends up saving them anyways at the end. Um, but you know, like you said though, it was, it was engaging because each time I was like, okay, what, what is Raph going to be able to do against him? Is he even going to be able to get hit on him? You know, and. And unfortunately, Raph barely does, because uh, he goes in way too headstrong. Leonardo's the only one who kind of does halfway decent against him, but then even he gets uh, beat as well. Um, you know, and then Mikey and Donatello uh, actually do rock, paper, scissors as to who's going to go first against him, which I will... I, I, I think the funnier aspect of that is not so much that they're doing rock, paper, scissors... But that Master Oroku Saki is standing across from them <laughs> and is like, yeah, I'll give them time. I mean, even even I understand the honor of rock, paper, scissors, you know. And, uh, yeah, I just I, I, I think that's great. You know, that's, that's, that's a great moment. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say that, you know, yes, Casey's line does not hold up well. But the, the engagement within the fight scenes, I would, I'm going to steal Al's answers uh, just because that's what I was thinking as well. Yeah. Um, 
and of course the animatronics, like we like we already talked about, you know, and the stunts and everything, they they do really really well, um, even thirty years later, uh, which seems so weird to say, but yes. Um, for me, I'm gonna start because I, I um, I'm gonna start with Casey um, because um, so Casey Jones is an, he's an interesting character just in general in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because he's a um, he's a side character that literally every iteration of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles after the first one has tried to fix in some way because essentially what he is is like everything that is wrong with the late 80s and early 90s wrapped up in in, in, in male culture wrapped up into one uh, one person and so that's why he's so jarring in this movie I think and, and I don't his um his story progression, I mean, doesn't make any sense whatsoever. You know, he starts off and like he starts off, he starts off and he wants to uh, beat up some underage kids. Uh, that's, that's like your first, intro, that's that's your first entryway yeah. into him, um, you know, and, uh, you know, he has that fight of Roth, uh, you know, where, you know, like, which is just, it's, I, I love that fight for another reason than just, you know, a Jose Conseco bat. Tell me you didn't pay for this. I, trust me. Trust me. That was hilarious in 1990. Okay. Just, just, <laughs> just trust me on that. Okay. But like, um, you know, he has that fight and like, it's just kind of a weird thing. Cause like Roth loses and he shouldn't lose. And, and then, you know, like you've got, he goes away and then he just randomly shows up to help the turtles for no reason whatsoever. And then he goes, you know, and then I agree, he's, he's very, you know, sexually aggressive towards April. Like, you know, to me, the part that bothered me more than the homophobic joke was there's this part where, like, he literally, you know, like, throws April into a chair to give her a back rub. And you're just like, yeah, geez, yeah. you know, like, this is, you know, all right, okay, all right, Casey, you know, you know, this is very, very clearly, you know, a 1990s movie, you know. But it's and, okay because uh, then Michelangelo needs turtle wax, and then Michelangelo needs turtle wax, which is yeah, fantastic. So once again, give you some levity into the you know sexual aggressiveness of Casey Jones, <laughs> and like the reason, <clears throat> the reason to me it doesn't work, uh, and the reason it doesn't hold up, and like you guys are going to disagree with me on this, I know, but like if you take him out of the movie, one of the things that holds up so well is the like anti-toxic masculinity theme of this movie and like there's a lot of scenes in this movie that are very geared towards you know love and companionship you know like i think of the scene so like for example like you know like um you know when when splinter once again the 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 penultimate scene of course is when splinter appears to them you know in the in the flames and like, you know, there's you got Michelangelo crying, you got Dante Hogan Michelangelo, you have Roth and Leonardo holding hands, you know. And like there's a real like, you know, a if if you if you frame this movie in another way and you take Casey out of it, you know, the theme of family almost becomes secondary to this kind of theme of like the the anti-toxic masculinity of the turtles versus the toxic masculinity that Shredder is promoting. And and Casey just hurts that so badly. Like he just, just by existing in this movie hurts that. And, you know, and, and, but, but on the other end, I'm always looking for characters 
in movies um, that do not just hold up into the, you know, the stereotypical dude in a movie. You know, that's one of the things like, you know, once again, I'm not even close to putting this movie on the same level. That's one of the things like, I love about Aragorn, you know, is, is, you know, Aragorn is a, you know, he's a, yeah, he's a warrior, but he's a poet, you know, he's like, he's, you know, he has emotions, you know, he, he cares about people. He cares about things. He's not just a guy that's like, oh, let's go kill some works, you know, like he's, you know, he, except for one very important moment where he says exactly that. Well, yeah, let's go hunt some work. But even doing that is to go and save two hobbits that he's, you know, that he that's has true. great, you know, uh, love for. So, like, you know, I mean, it's, that's, you know, that to me, those type of characters um, in the early 90s were just Everywhere. so few. Well, no, I mean, the, the toxic, I mean, the anti-toxic the, the, the anti-toxic ones were, not, yeah, were yeah. so few and far between. And, you know, and, you know, this is coming from a guy who loves... 80s and 90s culture i mean it's it's you know it's part of who i am but i mean good gosh you know the the general concepts of you know what it meant to be a man in the late 80s and early 90s you know are so it just seems so base you know and what you have of the turtles in my opinion is something they you know i mean I, look I, I it's i'm reading into it way more than it is okay but at the same time you know there was a sense of you know friendship and you know and a companionship and a bond you know and caring and more than just like we're just cool because we're ninjas you know um you know i mean there's a there's a real familial connection between them and splinter you know and even april you know and and it's just it's it was really it's really nice to see and it's just really sad that you've got a character like casey that i think is kind of shoehorned in there um, who I agree doesn't make any sense at all to be in there, but he, I think he kind of ruins that theme in a lot of ways. Um, so, so yeah, that, that, that to me is what, what holds up and does not hold up or kind of two sides of the same coin for me. Um, okay. So instead of like, you know, I, I, I tried to figure out how to frame this question, you know, cause I wanted to give us like a rating system on this, on these movies. But I don't want us to do like a um, like a you know best out of ten or whatever because I don't want us to have like you know just be like yeah well you know it's turtles it's seven out of ten no I don't want to do that okay so like I let do let's look at an overall like uh, grade okay like a grading system okay so thinking of the concepts of like you know what it tried to do what it tried to accomplish you know uh, its effectiveness and what it accomplished. Um, you know, what grade would you all give this movie? Jake, we'll start with you. Mm. I'd probably go with an A. Um, not, 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 not necessarily an A plus, you know, mm. um, just, just because there are certain things that do kind of hold it back. Um, I had, I had legitimately, legitimately forgot about, uh, the, the back rub massage from Casey. Um, until you said it, and literally just thinking of that scene, I was like, "Yeah, no, that that does not hold up well at all. Uh, that actually holds up arguably less well than the homophobic homophobic joke, actually." Um, so, so yeah, so so yeah, Casey ta- Casey takes it down at least to a, to an A, you know. Um, but 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 no, it's still like like you said, you know. I, I, th- I think you worded it really well, and I think that a lot of, you know, 
people who are critiquing movies, people who are thinking of, or trying to just watch movies, whether it's just to enjoy them or to actually kind of think of them uh, on a more serious level, it doesn't have to be the best movie ever to, made to be a perfect movie in the sense of what it was attempting to do. Um, and I think that, you know, like you said, this movie accomplishes exactly what it was supposed to do. Um, you know, bring the turtles to a wider audience. Yes. You know, maybe sell a few extra toys, of course. I mean, if there's ever a Raphael in a trench coat, you know, whether it's a whether it's a, a costume unlocked in a video game or a or an action figure, we automatically think, well, yeah, no, we kind of need that one. Mm -hmm. You know, even if it's just a variant, you know, we, we kind of need that because that's him in the trench coat going to see. Um, Critters. Critters. Yes, thank you. Critters. I was trying Another to Another new line cinema movie. Yes. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, but that's, you know, that's um, for, and, you know, for, for a genre film that was kind of meant to be spread out to the, to the wide, to the wide audience, it is a fantastic introduction to the Turtles, uh, gives you everything you need from a Turtles film. So, yeah. So de definitely an A for me. Oh, what do you think, man? Great at heart. Um. So when I so when I think about it, um, when I think about like a movie in general, um, I kind of think about like two qualifications for it. I think about like how much I enjoyed it, and and that goes into like the context of just like well, what was it trying to accomplish? What was you know the the circumstances surrounding it and stuff. Um, but I go by how much I enjoyed it, just as a person who who watches a bunch of movies, and I go by um, <laughs> I go by how many like qualifiers or or disclaimers I would f feel the need to give to a person before I recommend it to them, um, and those two qualifications can go in varied different directions um you know there are things that like we get in a in on um, the both of those things i would you know i would say that like the winter soldier is an example of that it was just like hey this movie's awesome did everything it wanted to do i enjoyed it and like i don't feel the need to tell you about anything that's worth giving a heads up about um and it can go into t different directions as well um I I personally enjoyed Eon Genesis Evangelion very much. Um, I don't think if I had like a full day to tell people all the concerns I had for them before they watched it, I'd be able to get through them all. You know, it's that kind of thing. Um, uh, um, and so with Eternals, I think I think I would give it a B, and I think that B is the same for both of those qualifications. Um, uh, because again, I enjoyed it. I stayed engaged the whole time. Um, I think it did what it uh, was trying to do. And I think it did it very well. Um, um, again, the Casey Jones stuff just really took me out of it. When we started talking about Casey Jones, my mind just started going to different reasons why I did not like him in the movie. Um, the entire fight scene where he beats um, Shredder's right-hand man with a golf club is just so stupid. I hate that scene so much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, um, and so that's like the enjoyment part of it. And when like I'm, 
if I were to like sit down and just be like, hey, Al, what kind of like genre stuff have you watched in a while that you would tell me I should watch? Um, I would, I would like give a couple disclaimers about this one. Like I would, I would say just like, hey, Casey Jones is the worst. If you can find an edited version of the movie that just cuts him out of it, that'd be, <laughs> that'd be your best bet. That's the best way to watch it. Um, and then again, depending on the person, I would feel the need to just say like, hey, some of the comedy is really cheesy. Um, if that isn't your thing, then you probably won't enjoy that part of it. But it's, it's a really fun thing to watch, especially with a couple of friends and stuff to pop in on a Friday night or whatever. Um, so yeah, I think I'd give it a B. I think it's a solid B. Which again, everybody in like the age of IGN that gives inflated ratings to everything, a B is like not a bad is not a bad movie. Like a B is a really good film. That's just a film I enjoyed that I have some reservations about. Yeah, I uh, I have no problem with either one of your your ratings. Obviously, I mean, I I, I kind of here here's what I will say. Okay. I would say that if you are a diehard Ninja Turtle fan, um, and I'm probably the only one of those here. I mean, you're a fan, obviously, but you know, I had bed sheets. You know, yeah, one point. I, I so like, yeah. So, so like, if if you are if you are that kind of fan, um, the this is the high water mark, <laughs> so to speak, of of your fandom. Um, it never really got any better than this, and it kind of started trending downwards after this. Um, there is, you know, the the last Nintendo show they put out was fantastic. The last Nintendo show though, borrows a lot from this movie, and um, you know, and, and that's the that's the. I mean, to the point, Jake's making a face, but to the point where, like, at one point, Nintendo. Did I say Nintendo? Said Nintendo. Yeah, that, that's why. That's why I was making a face. Okay, yeah. let me try that again. Take two. The last Nickelodeon show. There we've go. been playing. Uh, I've, been, I've, I've done nothing but play the Switch on this quarantine. Okay, like I can't. You know, hey, <laughs> Phantom Correspondence brought to you by Nintendo Switch. Get one, or you know, or you will just lose your mind in the quarantine. We get nothing from it, but just we want you to enjoy yeah, the Switch like we exactly. do. Exactly. Um, the Nick last Nickelodeon show uh, borrows a lot to the point where, like, there's a there is a low point in the second season where it seems like Shutter wins and they retreat to April's house in the country. Uh, you know, it's the exact same concept. Uh, and I mean, they, you know, and it's, and what basically here, here's what I'm getting at for me, it's going to be an A, but it's like a 92 A. It's like, you know, it's like on the low end of the A's because I understand where everyone's coming from. Like, oh, I get it. Like, I mean, like, if, if you, you know, as, you know, as, a, as a guy in his mid 20s trying to explain this movie, you know, to somebody else, their mid 20s. Dude, I understand. I mean, I get it. Okay, like, look, there's going to be this guy who's going to be throwing off some real rapey vibes, and then there's going to be, like, a lot of turtle humor, uh, and, like, they're going to, like, at one point, just in the middle of a fight, like, try to figure out the best pun for, like, shell that they can come up with, and if, like, you can handle that, you know, you're going to enjoy this movie. And I get that. Those are addendums you'd have to make, okay? But, like, as far as in 1990, the idea of getting a movie this good from a genre, uh, from a from a fandom 
when you're when you're when you're looking at things like Dick Tracy, the first Batman film, Masters of the Universe, um, Super Mario Brothers, you know, we'll throw that out there. You know, like all these movies that were trying to attempt to do the same thing, and they they just fell miserably, in my opinion. This movie is almost like a small miracle, you know, in that sense. Um, and you take into account the one thing that I that I would say that keeps it at an A for me is that even though I would, yes, if I was, you know, to kill someone in their mid twenties. Absolutely, I'd be like, these are some things you got to look out for. But I would also make this a gentleman as well. Um, you know, this this movie is like, you know, it's 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 the last Jim Henson movie. You know, there's a there's a art form here um, that is going completely out of style, and that honestly was never this good again. Um, you know, unless you count the two Hellboys you know, and the Lord of the Rings movies. But honestly, this is the high watermark for the, you know, for the animatronic, you know, realistic uh, special effects. And, you know, it, it the, that to me holds up really, really well. So it, it's an A for me, but it's like a 92. There's things about it that I realize now as a 35-year-old man, you know, as an old codger. Uh, they don't they don't hold up uh, as well as when I was four or five years old watching this movie, um, but at the same time I can't give it less than a because like I said, it's a it's a small miracle this movie you know came out of the way. I mean once again one more kick in the teeth for Tim Burton's Batman Returns. Okay, one more. Okay, watch or read any Batman comic from 1988 to 1993. And tell me what in the world Tim Burton was doing with Batman Returns, you know? Mm-hmm. And like when you compare that to what the Turtles is here, um, you know, it's night and day. And the fact that somehow a movie about four giant turtles that know the art of ninjutsu somehow somebody made it and kept, um, you know, was able to keep the heart and soul of that and to. Uh, pay homage to the characters and to pay homage to the storyline and the morals of that the way they did. It's a small miracle. Um, so yeah, I agree. It's got this guy's flaws. Uh, Casey, poor Casey, doesn't hold up. Danny doesn't really hold up. A lot of the humor doesn't hold up. But yeah, you know, I can't. I can't give it any less than a. Uh, you know, and I, and and that's me admitting I'm a I'm a Homer. Uh, you know, this this movie means a lot to me. Um, but uh, but. Well, in there, but here's what I will say as a preview, as a preview for what's to come. If you think I'm such a homer that I just don't see flaws in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles at all, um, I would like to invite you to listen to hopefully the rest of the podcast we're going to be doing on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which is going to cover, in my opinion, some really, 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 really bad movies in in uh, in the history of cinema um because there's just some really really bad stuff that's going to happen to my beloved characters um you know and uh just things are things are going to happen to them and i'm just not looking forward to it at all um you know so so that's coming up um but uh, i would like to uh thank you guys for listening on behalf of the fandom correspondence on behalf of jake and 
and Al and uh, and myself, uh, Josh, the Wise Sage. I I am really glad you tuned in, and uh, hopefully you'll continue to tune in. Check out the website. Go to YouTube. Check out our streams. Uh, we've got some pretty interesting streams up right now with between Bloodborne and Apex. I just did a six-hour marathon stream of uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, which should be up now. It is. Um, so <clears throat> check those out and, uh, you know, like and subscribe. And uh, gotcha. and uh, and once again, uh, got to throw a uh, shout-out to my friend, uh, good friend Josh Hicks, who uh, basically made all this possible by giving us the idea. Uh, I, we will, I will hate him a little more as we go through the Turtle movies. Um, but, uh, uh, for now, uh, it's, uh, thank you so much for supporting us and, uh, yeah, we'll call that an evening. Y'all have a good night. Y'all have a good day. Y'all have a good afternoon or wherever this finds you. And remember fandom is for everybody. Thank you so much. Goodbye. <laughs>